Hello, I'm Jennifer Watts. I'm a friend who likes to have friends. And this is You Too, Me Too, a podcast where we talk about friendship, the hows and whys of connecting with others. We hear wisdom from friends and maybe we choose a friendship challenge to try. On this episode, you're going to hear about a long-term Harvard study. You're going to hear from my friend Mavis and maybe choose a friendship challenge that's seniors focused. I'm excited today to talk to you about a Harvard study. It's one that started in 1938 during the Great Depression when scientists at Harvard started to follow 268 sophomores Uh, in hopes that this longitudinal study would reveal clues to leading healthy and happy lives. Uh, They followed those Harvard men, uh, no women, women weren't attending Harvard at that time, um, uh, for now uh, over 80 years. And it's called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. And it is one of the longest studies of adult life in the world. Um... In 1970, they started including 456 Boston inner city residents. Um, They were enlisted as part of the Gluick study, um, and they were following along um, at the same age um, as the Harvard men, uh, and they were hoping to be able to make comparisons between uh, higher class, lower class um, men and see it's that's effect on um, their aging and their health. Uh, so those two groups now together have gone on for 80 years being assessed and asked questions and gathering of health data, uh, all in an attempt to find out some of the clues of what allows for healthier, happier aging. Some of what the study found was fairly predictable, according to the scientists. They found that smoking uh, in participants was really bad for longevity. Alcoholism, uh, when participants were struggling with that, they really needed help and support to overcome that and continue into a long, happy life. They found exercise done regularly really does help people live longer. But they were surprised with this result. They found that the number one factor that helped people age happier, better, and live longer was having warm, close relationships. People who were more socially connected. Now, this study is vast. As you can imagine, that many people, that much time going by, there was lots and lots of results. You can go ahead and look more at that study if you'd like. What I wanted to fine-tune and share with you was two things. One was, what were they measuring when they were defining meaningful social connection or... Uh, warmth. Um, how were they defining that? And two, how do we get it? How do we achieve that in our friendships? 
um, in our relationships. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what they found and what they looked at. Their definition of meaningful social connection and warmth uh, partly included the relationships that you have that they called weak ties, um, which might include the people you see at work and you have a brief exchange with them, but it's very friendly. Um, the more of those weak ties, those people you see regularly in your day, in your week, in your year, uh, do contribute to that feeling of connection with society and warmth of relationships. But more importantly, the warm connection came from a special few. They asked, who could you call in the middle of the night if you were sick or scared? The people who would do those things for us, they called instrumental support. These were the people that could and would drive us to the hospital or, or hold our hair back while we were throwing up. Maybe they were the person that said, I'm here for you when we've had a bad day. We could talk to them, calm down, and put the day in perspective. A few romantic partners fell into this role, but often it was friends. So now that we know how they were defining it, what they were looking for, that warmth, that connection, then I'm curious, how do we how do we get that? How do we get past the small talk and just kind of chit-chatting with people? Well, the study found that the participants reached that kind of warmth in relationships where there was vulnerability. So they go on to say it was when someone in the relationship, either the participant or their friend, potential friend, acquaintance, where one of them took a risk. They said, I'm going to risk a little bit here, even though I might get rejected or turned away. But they did it anyway. And they were saying it was even things like just asking someone to hang out. That probably wasn't their word at the time, but to hang out could be your level of vulnerability. Start where you are. Take a little risk. Try to make a connection and keep it. I want to jump in at this point and refer us back to the name of this podcast, You Too, Me Too, which came from this place of feeling, of me feeling like we need to be more vulnerable with each other to deepen relationships. And that could be as simple as saying, hey, I had fun having coffee with you. Do you want to do it again? When you don't know how the other is exactly feeling, that is a bit risky. Or maybe it means somebody saying, oh man, I had two glasses of wine last night. And and you saying, oh, me too. I had three. There's something in sharing just that little extra of ourselves that maybe is a little embarrassing, maybe makes us feel a little awkward, but it creates a little bit more depth of relationship. Anyway, that's my little segue into you two, me too. Um, but to finish up the bits I wanted to share from the study, um, they went on to say also that uh, relationships are like fitness. 
Um, you can't just work out once and expect to stay fit. Uh, and that there was the maintenance of relationships, the regular connecting, um, staying in touch. Um, and with different friends, that might be once a week. It might be once a month. It could be more often than that. Uh, but that they have to be taken care of and maintained or they drift away. Um, those were the bits from this study, which I really enjoyed. Um, and I'm now going to, uh, introduce you to a friend. Now we're going to hear from my friend Mavis. Mavis has been a friend of mine for a couple of years. And I asked to speak to her uh, for the podcast because she has maintained friendships for decades. And I see her continuing to make new friends. Mavis shares a bit of herself and also gives us a couple of friendship tips for finding friends. The study that I'm talking about connects friendship with the ability to live longer, live happier, and stay um, healthier mentally and physically. And does that resonate for you that friends did that for you and continue to do that for you? Yes, primarily. Um, I'm in my 90s now. So to have had friends from my teens has kind of been incredible. Um, whenever I've been involved in any outside the home activities, I've usually been, how can I just say it without being boastful? Um, <laughs> I've become involved, mm -hmm. and that makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. My um, interests are such that now, primarily mental, I'm not as active physically, mm. so there are avenues that are a little harder to make friendships right. with. Right. But the the whole um, period of being on my own, losing all most friends, it, it seemed to be one a year. Mm. And then coming into a facility where there are a lot of people, mm -hmm. But it, it, it's harder to find ones with the same interests. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. definitely um, be outgoing. <laughs> be willing to give, not yeah. be a taker. Right. That I found has been a blessing for me. Nice. Yeah. Does that answer the question? It totally answers not? the question. Thank you, Mavis. During this episode, Mavis and I were practicing social distancing. So it was hard to have clear audio for you um, throughout our conversation. I wanted to let you know that Mavis and I chatted for longer. Uh, and I'll share a few other nuggets with you that she mentioned. 
She does feel that having friends later in life gives you a reason to get up in the morning. She likes to meet her couple of friends for coffee and discuss the news each morning. She also feels it's quite hard to make new friends later in life because you know they won't be long-term friends simply because of your age. Uh, did you notice the two tips that she gave all of us regarding making friends? Be outgoing and be willing to give and not be a taker. Thank you, Mavis, for being brave and willing to participate with me in sharing ideas. And now the friendship challenge. My challenge to you this week and to myself is to write a card and or letter to a senior. I'm not talking about the 60-year-old seniors. I'm talking about a senior senior. Find someone who is potentially lonely, maybe living on their own, maybe right now in isolation, maybe someone you haven't connected with in a long time. Maybe if you don't know a senior, you know of a care home where you could send a card and say hello. I would challenge you to write a card or letter this week to a senior, an actual card with a stamp. They love that. They love their ways of card writing. So I'm going to do it. I hope some of you do it and let me know if you do. Okay, thanks. And that's it for episode five. This has been You Too, Me Too, and I'm Jennifer Watts. I'd love to hear from you if you've tried any of the friendship challenges uh, or if you have any questions. You can find me on Instagram at youtube.me2 or via email at youtube.me2 at shaw.ca. That's S-H-A-W dot C-A. I'd like to thank my son, Ansley Jacob, for the original music on this podcast. And I'd also like to thank all my new listeners for their positive feedback. Friends encourage friends, and I'm so grateful for all the words of encouragement. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends about it. If you subscribe to this podcast on the uh, podcast platform of your choice, um, then you will get the next episode automatically loaded in your phone. Also, subscribing doesn't cost anything. So if you hit subscribe, uh, you'll get to know as soon as something's out. Um, we'll touch base next Tuesday. And thank you for being a friend. Connection started with vulnerability. You don't even know how to say vulnerability.